Hello, I'm Melody Suderstrom, and I'm I'm pleased to be here with James Corbett. Got a little bit of a late start today, but we are here. James is here, and I want to get started right away. But first, I want to make sure that you visit his website, thecorbettreport.com. The thecorbettreport.com. It's got some awesome video. He's been working very hard, and uh, things are changing in this world. And uh, um, and again, you can request a complimentary copy of the International Forecaster by going to their website, theinternationalforecaster.com, uh, with whom James uh, James is the editorial writer. Welcome, James. Well, hello. I wish I could say I'm glad to be here, but given the circumstances, I think it's important that we're here bringing this information, so thanks for having me on. Oh, well, thank you for taking the time out. You know, a recent uh, newsletter, after quoting Dickens' classic line in Tales of Two Cities, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And you write, every now and then the world resets. I'm just going to let you take it from there and tell us um, the significance well, I guess the the spur for this particular editorial is the idea that's been going around for several years now, especially in the sort of financial, alternative financial uh, media, uh, the idea of the global financial reset that people have been talking about for a number of years now. Basically, uh, as we all know, the Ponzi, fiat, money, phony, baloney economy that the central banks have uh, popped up in bubbles, especially over the past decade since the Lehman collapse and the bubble that's been created of artificial reality surrounding that event to prop up the markets was a Ponzi scheme, and it is coming to an end right now. And people have been foreseeing this and talking about it for a number of years, and the idea has gone around of the global financial reset that will involve some sort of monetary reordering, the dollar losing its status as world reserve and something else coming in to take its place, and I've talked about that, and we've talked about it here on the program before, the idea of special drawing rights by the IMF and these other ideas, but I wanted to broaden that idea out, because I think what we are seeing right now is a global reset, but it is not just a global financial reset. Of course, it is a reset in a number of different levels. And unfortunately, this is playing out right into the hands of the forces of globalization, centralization of control, uh, tracking and surveilling of every person, the advancement of the cashless society agenda, all of these things coming together at the same time, converging on a nightmare scenario that some of us have been warning about for many years. It is happening right now. That is what is uh, this reset is about because the new world order or whatever you want to call it could never come out come come about until we saw the destruction of the old world order so that requires a gigantic pushing of the reset button and I think that's exactly what is taking place right now in this pandemic pandemonium that's being foisted upon us on the back of overhyped numbers and an all out of proportion reaction to a largely although not completely, but a largely, if not fictitious, at least overinflated threat. Why is the world losing its collective mind over a coronavirus, uh, which, let us not forget, is just part of the same family as the common cold and looks to have a mortality rate in line with the seasonal flu, as even admitted by the, uh, the hallowed Dr. Fossey, who's advising the U.S. government right now. He even admitted that in the New England Journal of Medicine. So why is the world losing its mind? Why are we shutting down the global economy in reaction to this virus scare? I think it is precisely because this reset was coming. It's been coming for a long time. Here it is, and they are pushing the reset button all the way. So... Uh, that can be a very scary thing because, of course, uh, we see a lot of 
draconian measures that are coming about uh, as a result of this. But I also wanted to present the other side of that, which is that we were never going to change the status quo of global centralized control into something more hopeful without a reset. We need a reset. We need some sort of different path for humanity. And that is impossible in times of status quo, everybody going along with the system as it exists. No, we need this this sort of moment of panic and chaos and crisis for something new to emerge, but it is what we make of it. Uh, we have to play a part in shaping this into a change that can actually be positive rather than the nightmare crackdown scenario that we're seeing playing out right now. Think we can? Think if I didn't, think there, was a, think if I didn't think there was a possibility, I wouldn't be here, but it right, is not true. going to be easy. That's very true. Well, in, in your... Um most recent article on the Corbett Report, uh, is, is you wrote a, a letter to the future. It starts with a dystopian quote from World War I conspirator Edward Gray. The lights are going out all over Europe. We shall not see them lit again in our lifetime. You write, we are damned. And our lot now to watch as the lamp of liberty is extinguished. Our burden to bear witness to the final flickering of the flame of freedom. You say that it's almost hopeless. That even on the small chance of the following words survive the coming internet purge, most of us won't understand them because we no longer can use them. Freedom, humanity, and individual. I mean, that's pretty powerful. And um, um, you also write a, a part of where there's a little more hope, but you lament that the darkness is descending. Yeah. And I don't write these words lightly. I um, I don't put these types of sentiments out there into the ether without thinking about them, because I know that these words have power over people's perceptions and the way that they understand reality. But I can't I can't help but speak the truth as I see it. And right now, I think what has disappointed me most about what is happening right now, the thing that is really concerning to me, more so even than the bald outright power grab and monetary plundering and everything else that's taking place right now on the behalf of the would-be social engineers and world rulers, I, I expect that. What I did not necessarily expect was that people would would willingly accept this, in fact, clamor for it, and snitch on anyone who seems to be going against this groupthink to the, the appropriate police authorities so quickly, so easily. It took so little propaganda and so little to really upend people's entire lives and to overturn... I mean, I'm sure everyone in the audience right now knows someone who, who had a business for 23 years and now suddenly they, they don't know if they'll ever be able to open their doors again because they've already uh, gotten so far in the hole or people who are on the verge of losing their home or people who are going to the food bank because they literally can't get food anymore or all of these this horror that is playing out right now and yet so many people are applauding it. In fact, literally applauding it with the, the balcony applause phenomenon that I talked about on my uh, uh, Propaganda Watch video series the other week where people are applauding the healthcare workers. Yay, great, okay, I understand. I'm not against that sentiment per se, but it just seems like it's part of this this nightly ritual of inculcation into the new normal that we're being steeped in. And this new normal, of course, comes along with all sorts of things, apps that are going to be tracking literally everything, the, everywhere you go and everyone you come in contact with because we have to track any carriers, asymptomatic or not, that are deemed to be carrying this or any future disease. 
that uh, they, that we get warned about. And we have to have, of course, cashless payments because dirty cash carries viruses. So we have to track everything that you're paying, buying and selling. And we have to insert basically the police state into every corner of your life. And people are going along with it. So I had to point that out, I think, in an editorial like this. And really, it's not even a joke. This really is a letter to the future because I do think about what kind of humanity is going to be on the other side of a crisis like this. And uh, it's not necessarily pretty. Again, I think we do have time to avert this, but not much. And it is it is disappearing even as we speak. You know, it was always the thought that we'd have some sort of a World War Three. I think that's coming still. But they've They've entered an enemy that an individual can't really fight, no matter to the degree of the reality of it or not. They've they, they've given people something that they can't fight it. You know, it, it's it's invisible to some degree. So how do you, you know, fight something that's invisible? So yeah. they ha- so they almost have to. I mean, they, they're brilliant as far as you know, creating a pandemic and so forth, enabling the, the the country was already divided, our country anyway. The world has been divided. It's just not our country. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you raise a good point, and you say it's like World War Three. Uh, I. I I think it is. This is what World War Three looks like. In fact, that was the title of an editorial I wrote a few weeks ago in the Forecaster because I really do think that this is what World War Three is. World War One was such a strange and complete break with um, the way war had been fought before that most people could barely even comprehend it. It completely changed the notion of war and how it is fought and what it means. World War Two went even further, extending the mechanization of war and the war against civilians, populations, the, the types of atrocities that we saw take place in that war on civilians on all sides. I think World War III is, again, so much different than any form of warfare that we've been subjected to before that people don't understand it even as it's happening. And I think biowarfare is one aspect of that warfare that includes cyber warfare and all sorts of other things that we have never never been thought, taught to think of as war before. But we are starting to be steeped in that. And unfortunately, the way this plays out, again, in the interest of the controllers or would-be controllers of society is to frame this as, oh, this was a bio-warfare attack by our arch-enemy boogeymen, the Chinese. It's the Chicoms. It's the Chinese virus. They released this and this. And and now it's... Be- at first they were trying to squash down the conspiracy theories about this being some sort of bioweapon. Now that is being played up in certain media that is now seemingly fomenting the idea that this is this is China attacking us. And that's I, I don't think this is going to happen tomorrow, but I think this, as I've been saying for years now, I think the long-term 21st century um, narrative that is going to, to dominate our century, like the Cold War dominated the 20th century, the, the, you had this, the Soviets, the Red Menace in the 20th century, now it's going to be the Chai Coms, and it's going to be a World War III type scenario where it's Chinese versus U.S. And that, that broadly speaking, is what's going to take place. But I argue that isn't the real war that is taking place. The real war is the war against us all. The war against the people by their own would-be misleaders. And we see this by country after country, president after president, Trump included, calling themselves wartime presidents, or Macron saying, nous sommes guerre, or uh, Boris Johnson and Moon Jae-in, and all of these leaders saying, we're at war against this invisible enemy, as Trump keeps saying. And 
this invisible enemy really could be in anyone. Uh, you might have it, and you don't even know it because you're an asymptomatic carrier. So everyone has to be treated as if they are an. You have to be treated as if you are an enemy in this war until you can prove otherwise. And how are you going to do that? Well, we're going to have immunity certificates, immunity passports of some sort, in order for you not to travel internationally, but for you to travel. In, internally, within your own country, Papers, Please is coming. They're already talking about immunity passports within countries so that you can go. And it's already happening in China, as I demonstrated in a recent podcast on the Corona World Order. They've already got the apps up and functioning that will determine through some algorithm that you don't know, and you, you don't know how it comes to this determination, but it gives you either a green or a red code. And if you have the red code, it means you are not allowed past the, the, the gates of your community or wherever they set up the checkpoints, you have to go home and self-isolate. Uh, if you get a green code, then you can you can proceed. That is the way that the world is heading right now, and that is everything that I've been warning about for, for a decade plus now at the Corbett Report, and people have been warning about for decades and decades, this new world order. Here it is. This is what it looks like. It is World War III, and it is being waged against you. Hmm. You know, in a twist of uh, emotions, reminiscence of a scene out of Orwell, y- you say you're here to s- you're here to say resist, struggle, fight. You remind readers that they're not cogs in a machine; they're not born under the authority of another. They do not need permission to buy or sell, or to assemble, or to speak their mind, or to leave their home. And um, you know, and um, so, are you resigned that this is our children's and grandchildren's future, or? I'm not resigned to it. Again, I wouldn't be here saying this, and I wouldn't be trying to do what I'm doing if I didn't think we could avert this, but it is going in that direction, and never more quickly so than it is right now. This is one of those inflection points where... I, I know it sounds grandiose, but it is true. The future of the human species is being determined right now. It is playing out. And if we if we simply acquiesce, if we simply go along with this, then there is truly no hope for humanity. And as I say in this letter, uh, the, the term sheep, the term sheeple, has often been used to describe yeah. people just going along with the herd and, uh, you know, they're just, they're whatever, they're going to do whatever the shepherd tells them to do. Well, if... If if that is the case, then that is the future of humanity. We are sheep to be fleeced when need be and slaughtered when need be by the shepherds. And if people just lay down and take it, then that is what they are implicitly saying they are. Can you look to any one person that perhaps, and I agree with you, we have to get to the rubble before anything good can, can come out of it. But do you see any one person, or perhaps that person hasn't... Uh, been exposed yet as far as a leader or will there be leaders in various parts of the world or I mean leaders in the struggle for resistance against this mm-hmm. yeah uh, I don't I, I I like to think that that is not what we should be looking for because to my mind it is this need for leaders, leaders to tell you what to do, which is exactly the problem that has led us to this point of crisis. It is people looking 
what will the, uh, when will a leader appear to tell me what to do so that I can do it and then everything will be better is precisely what has gotten us into the situation that exists right now. So I find it disheartening to see that even in my own audience, people, James, you need to be a leader and step up and, and lead the, the people in some sort of uprising or something as if, <laughs> as if it falls to a Canadian English teacher in Japan <laughs> to lead some global uprising. But even so, no, the very idea that people need a leader to tell them what to do is exactly, I think, the problem itself. And uh, because of that, I just recorded a video that will be going up shortly, so it might be up by the time people are listening to our conversation. Um, but I just recorded a video in which I just empowered everyone who's listening. I just gave you a special digital badge. You, you now, I have officially declared you the leader of the resistance in your area. You are now empowered. You have just been deputized. You are the leader in your area, in your home, or in your community, or in your city, or in your county, or in your state, or in your country. You, it is now on you. You are the leader. You go out there and you lead the resistance. And you know what the best way to lead a resistance against a complete lockdown of the economy and throwing millions of people out of work on the basis of this boogeyman? Going out of your home, defying orders, disobeying. It is going to be necessary for us to disobey official orders uh, as now more than ever. And if we don't do it now, when it is still possible, then it will be impossible very shortly as the bars of our police state prison gets slotted into place. And I want people to really think about that. Diso disobeying these orders are going to have to happen at some point. And it's not going to happen when some leader comes along on a white horse and starts, you know, slaughtering the, the bad people or something. That's, that, that's fantasy. That is comic book fantasy that you've been given to lead you astray. No, you are the leader of your own resistance. The lockdown is happening in your mind. And the best way to combat it is to walk outside. The lockdown ends when you walk outside. We as human beings, I mean, don't human beings need, isn't it just a human that need to be led? If so, then we are sheep and we deserve what we get. Hmm. Well, you conclude your, your letter with a ray of hope as you're right, but remember this, as long as the blood of your forebears flow through your veins, the lamp of human freedom shall not be extinguished forever. And again, that is also very powerful and very... You know, I, I become almost, I, I just don't have anything to say because we're just at this point in time. I, I think everything's, I don't know, has everything been said? <laughs> you know, to the point where those who will not awaken and accept what we're going through versus those who do, I mean, is there any more waking people up? Yeah, I don't want to get too pessimistic about that because it is certainly for someone like myself or yourself who has been talking for years and years and years about these issues and have been dismissed or marginalized or called a conspiracy theorist or you're exaggerating or it's not so bad. We've heard it all for many, many years and here it all comes along and unfortunately, I mean, there is absolutely no, no satisfaction whatsoever in being proved right. In fact, it is the worst nightmare. I wish, I wish fervently with all my might that I was wrong about what I've been saying, but I am not. And so it's easy to get discouraged and say, well, you know, the, the stupid sheep didn't listen, so now, you know, it's too late. Um, but I know that this message is reaching more people now than ever before because we have actually been afforded this sliver 
of a chance of actually reaching people through media, even controlled media, like YouTube now is a controlled platform, and they are going to be purging people on the basis of not going along with the coronavirus group think it is coming. But in this window of opportunity, I know I'm reaching more people than I ever have before. There are new people who are hearing my voice for the first time, and it is happening. Now, is it happening quickly enough? Is it happening on a wide enough scale? Are enough people going to take this to heart and actually do something? Step outside their home? Defy orders? That remains to be seen. And as I say, chances are not looking that great. But at any rate, it is still there on the table. And so I think we have to be putting this message out even more forcefully right now in this window of opportunity than we ever have before. Because this is when the chips are on the table. This is when the game is being played for all the marbles right now. And we are not partici- We are not spectators in this. We are participants, each and every one of us. You know, I said the other day, you know, from what I do and where I'm at, I know I'm here for a reason. Uh, if you look back in your life, I think each and every one of us, we can put the pieces together, the puzzle together, and we come up with a picture. And I do believe, I mean, ever since a little kid, I always knew I'd be in, don't ask me, maybe it was a dream or whatever, and I'm not, I knew I would be here. It would involve a, a revolution, a whatever, whatever you want to call it. And I read my whole life, here I am. And not that it's, you know, profound or anything. It's just, I think each and every one of us is in a place where we're supposed to be. And so, um, we got about two minutes left, James. Would you like to finish up the program with uh, some final thoughts? Well, uh, let me just say that I am trying to put out as much material as I possibly can because, as I say, I know that the crackdown on this information is coming. That's what they were talking about in the Event 201 simulation of a globally spreading coronavirus pandemic that they held in October 2019 in New York. Uh, the Johns Hopkins Institute, along with the Center for Health Security, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, etc., put on a simulation of a coronavirus pandemic last October. And in that simulation, as they played out, and 65 million people ended up dying in their simulation. But one of the things that came out is they talked about Internet shutdowns. Maybe that's not the way to go, but we certainly need to make sure that we're getting appropriate information out on the social media tech channels, and we have to crack down on misinformation online. It is coming. They are going to start purging voices. So while that is happening, I'm putting out as much as I possibly can. I hope people are uh, getting this material and hopefully spreading it to others, because as I say, if if there was ever any time to reach new people with this material, it is right now. So I hope people will take advantage of the resource while it remains. But don't look for me on controlled platforms like YouTube. CorbettReport.com is the place to go for my work, because uh, as long as I have a, a, a place on the Internet, it will be there. TheCorbettReport.com. James, thank you so much uh, for joining us. As always, I appreciate your views, your insights. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. Don't forget to pencil that. (laughs) (laughs) I I will. (laughs) And listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to give us a call at 1-800-375-4188 for all your gold and silver coin needs or visit our website at dgscoins.com. We'll be back on Monday. And... um, Be safe out there, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, God bless.